Welcome back to On the Horizon with Glenn and Henry, our monthly podcast looking at things that you can do on the horizon that are going to help you out agronomically. Hopefully you've had a good listen to our summary and the weather data and uh, all of those bits earlier and now we're going to have a better look at chafers. And we've got some good news for you. Um, We've worked incredibly hard with the regulating bodies and achieved another emergency approval for chafers this year. Yes, at the time of recording, we had just received notification that an emergency authorization for the product Acelaprin had once again been granted for Great Britain and Northern Ireland for the control of chafer grubs. Uh, with the emergency authorization running right through to the end of August. But uh, there are a lot of restrictions in place, uh, with one of them being uh, the last date of supply into the market being the 4th of August, but it can be used up until the end of August. Uh, It is approved for use on golf courses, but specifically on greens, tees and for the patch treatment of fairways uh, which would be no more than 10 percent of the total fairway area and there is a further restriction that the product should not be used uh, on an area greater than 10 percent of the total course area okay so as with previous years there is a lot of stewardship surrounding the sale to make sure that the product is only used when necessary and a sale will only be permitted if it is recommended by a fully qualified basis turf advisor but june is actually the time when we might be uh, actually considering using the product because it's the time in the pest life cycle when the chafe agree beetles might actually be on the wing it's the time of peak flight isn't it and so this is the time when we want to apply it so that the active ingredient can move down uh, through the soil and into the grub zone where susceptible grubs are actively feeding at a later date and so in terms of chafer grub activity at this time, what are we likely to see, Glenn? Well, it's great news about the emergency authorisation, Henry. So well done, you, because um, I know you put an awful lot of work into that. So if we have a think about chafers here and what damage are we likely to see through June, I, I think the damage that we will actually free see through this period is going to be fairly limited. We're, we're in a decent growth period. Animals will have other things to forage for, other insects, berries, things like that. And their interest in these chafers is greatly reduced through this period. Grubs will be less of an issue through this month, but it is the month or the period of the year when we can put measures in place with this emergency authorization now in order to reduce the problem again later in the year or the following year. Yeah, that's the one thing about the product, isn't it, is is that the application is not about killing those late stage juicy uh, grubs that we might see at this time. It's about preventing um, the future generation or or reducing the likelihood of a significant infestation occurring next year. It is. And what we have to remember with the chafer is there's a number of different life cycles going on here. So we've got four chafers that generally impact us in the UK, all with slightly differing life cycles um, from one year through to three years. 
And that's what we've been traditionally taught. The more time I've spent with entomologists, the more I realise that these life cycles that we've been traditionally taught have been clarified and crystallised and almost oversimplified with time. The, the cockchafer, as an example, is reputed to have a three-year life cycle. But my understanding of that now is it can be anything from two to six years, depending on the weather conditions and the soil types. There's a number of variables there. So when we're looking at an insecticide plan to deal with these, we have to look at it as a long-term strategy. And acelaprin is incredibly effective on these young first-instar chafer grubs. So depending on how many of those in that soil are the first-instars, the very juvenile ones, that will have an impact on the level of control you can get. So it's committing to this on a longer-term program that will help us get control. And I think as an industry, everyone seems quite comfortable with that because it's the kind of technology we had in the past to combat chafers. Yeah, and although chafer grub activity is not widespread across the whole of the UK and Northern Ireland, um, there are certainly some areas that really suffer from this and the damage can be absolutely devastating. And so it is something that we need to take seriously, isn't it? And 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 especially when it comes to using a product like Acelaprin to achieve control. I guess the challenge here, particularly with this emergency authorization, is that chafers tend to, from my experience, impact wider areas of the golf course rather than the smaller critical areas such as greens. So you see a lot of chafer damage in fairway, fairways and thatchy areas in roughs and things like that. And an emergency authorization allows us greens, tees and 10% of fairways. That That's correct, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, with no more than 10% of the total course area being treated. So that really limits its effectiveness for those guys that have chafer issues, which can really impact large areas of the golf course and where they can apply it to. Yeah, it does. And there's nothing we can do about that. This is an emergency authorization, so restrictions are in place. And we are limited to the patch treatment of fairways. Um which will be nowhere near what some courses would require to achieve good levels of control. But we'll just have to wait for a full approval to come through, fingers crossed, when maybe some of these restrictions might be reduced. Yeah, and we, we at Syngenta don't know what that full registration is going to look like. Um, that label on a full registration, we just don't know what restrictions will be put in place until it lands on our doorstep. Yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see, Glenn. The further down the line we get with it, though, the more optimistic we are that we will get that full registration. But it is a waiting game on that one. OK, well, let's talk about the actual use of the product itself then. Uh, what do we start looking out for in terms of preparing for an application then? OK, so best practice advice is to apply just after or around peak flight with chafers. That's quite a wide window, actually, in the UK. You know, everyone who has engaged and done a great job of reporting chafer activity over the last two years, 2019, 2020, and now we've started reporting stuff going into 21, we've got a reasonable amount of data there. And, and what's interesting when you look at it is the chafer flights are anywhere from the middle of April through to the beginning of August. 
But there's definitely a spike there around the end of May going into that third week of June. So what that's indicating to me is it's really about understanding your site, your species and understanding and monitoring the hatch pattern of the chafers on the site that you are working on when you see them flying. Yeah, it's a case of keeping your eyes open, isn't it? It is. And when when you've seen that, knowing that there's some guidelines here, you know, it's generally going to be kind of mid-May to mid-June. What you're then looking for is the optimum conditions after they have flown to apply the product. OK, so we're, we're keeping our eyes open for beetles emerging and becoming active. This is important because the beetle is probably the easiest stage of the life cycle to get uh, a good identification made um, to see what actual species that you've got, whether it's garden chafer, Welsh chafer, summer or summer or cock chafer. And that is an important consideration when it comes to levels of control. Is there a resource that we can tap into to help with our identifications? Yeah, there is, Henry. We spent quite a bit of time when we first got a celebrant on an emergency authorisation Putting together an ID guide, which is on the Greencast website. Uh, the pest tracker system that we've already referred to has a really nice basic ID guide for the beetles on there too. So when you're logging any sightings on pest tracker, we can split the data out to the different types. And when we put that together, I was really hoping that we see some strong patterns in times of the year that they were hatching and different areas. And it just really hasn't panned out like that. It seems that the same sites are getting the same problems year on year. It doesn't seem that we get activity start earlier in different parts of the country or one specific beetle starts earlier. It just seems a bit random. So there's some good reference guides and ID guides on our website. Um, but please keep logging the data in Pest Tracker because the more data we get in there, the better we build a picture of this to understand the optimum timings. Now, everyone is really engaged with leather jackets and we get some high levels of sightings, but we get less reported chafers. I suspect it's less of an issue, but the more that goes in there, the more we can understand these optimum conditions to get the best out of the product. Yeah, uh, that is really important, actually. You know, our understanding uh, of the dynamics of the situation is vital if we're going to you know, get good at achieving high levels of control. Okay, so when we see the beetles, is that the time to thinking about requesting an application uh, of a celebrant or should we already have it on the shelf at that point and be looking for the very next available opportunity to make a treatment? What's the best time scale um, for application after your sighting? Well, I'd go back a step even further than that, Henry. I'd be thinking through the winter periods, the period that we've gone through to ensure you've got some decent mapping of your problem areas. So you have a reference guide for the areas you want to treat, particularly under that emergency authorization where we have only 10 percent of your fairway area. You're going to want to do some very careful prioritizing. So have that kind of reference guide, whether that be in your head or even better planned out on a piece of paper and recorded sat there on your desk. We're then going to look to see when that beetle hatches and we're looking for that peak flight. So map it and then watch to monitor and give yourself the best opportunity to apply in decent levels of rainfall as soon after they have flown as you possibly can. What we want to achieve with the acelloprin is to get it off that leaf and watered in. Now, in a greens type scenario, we've got irrigation on hand to help us out with that. 
Um, but when we start looking at chafers, it tends to be a wider problem in roughs or fairways or tea banks. Uh, we may not have that irrigation to rely on. So what we're looking to do there is apply it in light rain. So it's washed off that leaf into the soil profile because as soon as it dries, it binds. We want it to be bound in that thatch layer where the chafer grubs are going to be feeding because that is our best chance of maximising our acelloprene application. We don't want it to be sat on top of the leaf. We don't want it washed six inches down into that soil either. We want to wash it off the leaf into that thatchy area. And in these non-irrigated areas, we're relying on rain rainfall for, for most people to do that during this period of the year. Yeah, yeah, that's good advice. Um does tank mixing with a surfactant or wetting agent help um, to improve the effectiveness of the treatment? Well, we've done quite a bit of work looking into this um, and this with acelaprin. Uh, and trials are really difficult to put together because of the variable nature of these pests. But what we've learned so far is there is no downside to mixing wetting agents in with it. Uh, the flip side of that is we haven't seen any benefits yet. I haven't seen any reports that prove to me to say that yes this is a worthwhile exercise and it's worthwhile doing there there's a couple of caveats in there though all the trials we've done have been on soil profiles that will take water so if you've got a very hydrophobic soil then in my mind you're probably better off getting a wetting agent program in advance of that soil becomes receptive and will take water rather than relying on the wetting agent at the time to do it so it's about making sure you've got a soil profile that's ready to take some moisture rather than it just running off and moving into lower areas. OK, great. Now, this is actually the fourth year of emergency approval, isn't it? And and we've got, you know, we've built up or you've built up quite a, a good running list of, you know, ways to make this application as successful as possible. Are there any other sort of tip, tips and hints uh, just to make everything perfect? If we want it off the leaf and, and down into the soil profile, you know, the spray volumes are going to be important, aren't they? What what water volume should we be using when applying this product? OK, so we want to get it out in as high a water volume as we realistically can. That would be my advice. Try and make sure it is over 600 litres a hectare. Now, when we do that, we need to do that by adjusting nozzles, not by adjusting the pressure. By adjusting the pressure to get higher water volumes, what we do is create loads and loads of fine droplets that can be easily lost to the atmosphere and they don't necessarily reach the target. So keep your pressure low and use the largest nozzle you can. The Syngenta XC08 nozzles are great for this. Uh, but when you're doing these larger areas that you're likely to be doing with this type of product, the temptation is to go faster to make the job quicker. When you go faster, it means you have to deliver higher pressures in order to deliver these water volumes that you want. So just be really careful of that. We're trying to get as much of this product down onto the leaf and then it, for it to run off that leaf towards the soil ready to be irrigated in. So just stay well clear of high pressure to get these higher water volumes. Mm, OK. Uh, anything else to know about um, such as like mowing before or afterwards? The key to me in these large scale areas is returning those clippings. We've got a product here that gets bound to the leaf and I wouldn't be too worried in a fairway situation about not mowing afterwards as long as those clippings are being returned. Now, if you're boxing fairways off, which I appreciate is the minority of people, then you need to think a little differently. But all the time you're returning those clippings, 
you are then therefore returning that active ingredient back into that root zone, into that area where the chafers may well be feeding. You'll be fine in that situation because you're not losing any of that active ingredient. It's all going back where we want it. Okay, so um, because it's really important that the timing and the application method is right, because we've only got one application per year, haven't we? And, and it's really important that we get this right if we're going to optimise control. Uh, the timing and the application procedures are, are really important and people do need to sort of adhere to the advice yes just remember as well that the emergency authorization will expire at the end of august and you'll need to ensure you've implied it for chafers prior to that end date yeah we will be doing some additional training on this emergency authorization just to make sure that everyone is clear about the terms of the authorization, but also how to get the best out of your application. Um, another important restriction that was introduced this year, so this is new that we should mention, is that areas uh, that are being used to graze, li graze livestock, cattle and sheep, should not be treated with um, a celeprin. Okay. Uh, the Greencast website is a really good place to find information, as is your blog, Glenn. So I'd encourage people to check that out. And no doubt you'll be talking about this there as well. Yes, yes, I will. Uh, so there's one obvious question before we leave this subject for me, Henry, and I think it would be remiss of me to avoid it. What does this mean for a Celeprin and leather jacket applications? Well, um, we're just waiting to see, really, if our separate application for emergency authorization for the use of a separate against leather jackets is granted the application period um, is different for leather jackets than chafer grabs and so we made a separate application for an emergency authorization we'll know closer to the proposed application period which starts in july and will hopefully run through to the end of october but we don't know yet hopefully the authorities will again appreciate the severity of the problem that we've got with that pest and um and grant a further authorization for use if a full approval you know doesn't come through by them yeah, by the time you listen to this podcast, we may well have heard more than we currently know on that. So just keep an eye on the websites. As soon as we know officially one way or the other, we'll be getting that information out to the wider industry.